Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of vice. It's Wednesday, October 10th. I'm Sophie Casas. Today we're discussing the new UN 1.5 degree report, which suggests that we must fundamentally change the nature of society in the next decade in order to avoid the worst effects of climate change. This UN report synthesized 6,000 scientific studies and had 133 contributing authors to basically summarize all of the existing knowledge we have about climate change to consider how various policies could impact global warming. The report, created by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or IPCC, has been in the works since 2015 when diplomats negotiating the Paris Climate Accord mandated a report to determine exactly how the world can keep global warming below 1.5 degrees Celsius. In order for CO2 emissions to go to zero by 2050, the changes that would have to occur have no documented historic precedent, as the report itself explains. Here's Motherboard reporter Caroline Haskins speaking to Vice's Ankita Rao on the story. You wrote about a climate change report that is yet another extremely stressful climate change report. How is this one different? Yeah, they're they're never really good. Um, so this was from the IPCC, which is the UN's coalition of scientists that are pretty much assigned to do research and compile research about climate change. And they come out with these assessment reports every few years. But this one was actually a follow-up to the Paris Climate Accord from 2015. So basically, the UN told these scientists, how feasible is it to actually stay below 1.5 degrees Celsius of warming? What kind of policies would have the greatest impact? What exactly do we have to do? And so they've been working for the past three years, and they released their results. And basically... By 2030, which is 12 years away, we have to step away from coal use and fossil fuel use really significantly and be at net zero emissions by 2050. How optimistic are climate scientists that we are able to do something like curb emissions to that extent in the next 12 years? So basically what they said is that really significant policy change is going to have to happen and transform the way that we function in really every way that we could possibly consider. As far as energy use, in order to wane away from fossil fuels, we're going to have to compensate literally everything with you know different forms of energy, such as solar power, biofuel, all of these other different kinds of things. And the problem is that currently these industries aren't growing at the rate that they need to in order to support the amount of energy that we're consuming. The other problem is in the form of transportation, because, I mean, a lot of people in this country are using cars, and not every city, public transit isn't exactly up to handle the demand of uh, where people need to go. But basically, we need to switch to pretty much 
everything being electric and having a robust system of both public transit and having areas where, you know, you can also walk and bike. Um, I mean, the goal for that would to be to wane away from cars that are guzzling up fuel entirely. Um, But obviously, we're not even close to being there either. And then they started talking about different policies that could, you know, affect things on a more structural level. I think the statistic I might be slightly off here is that something about like 71% of all fossil fuel emissions can be attributed to just a handful of companies. So they said, you know, in order to actually to enact these policies, you'd have to have citizens, you'd have to have scientists, you'd have to have representatives from renewable energy sector, all these stakeholders that are involved, and they'd have to be, you know, pretty much at the bargaining table. I mean, our country gives a lot of money and subsidies to the fossil fuel industry. And right now, money plays a really big part in the fact that we haven't really had any meaningful change um, in terms of policy. And so they're saying, basically, the only way to meet these emission goals is to change really every aspect of society. And the scientists give a lot of options for doing so, but they don't have a political roadmap necessarily for getting there. That's really up to the countries that are involved in the UN to figure out exactly how this is going to come about. It's not exactly promising considering, you know, political bargaining has not really gotten us very far. I think in the U.S., We don't really like to stop doing things, but instead we like to add solutions. So I think some of that focus has been not so much on scaling back, but on new technologies. And as you mentioned, something like a carbon recapturing technology could be helpful. Nobody has really stepped forward on trying to limit our car use, but we're trying to get sort of more fuel efficient cars in the mix. Where do you see the role of technology playing out? Is that ever going to be enough? It's never going to be enough in and of itself. I mean, in terms of carbon recapture, that's basically a way to slice off the extra emissions. At least that's how it's been framed, to slice off any extra emissions that we're emitting. But the only way that that would really make an impact is if we already have an economy that's running off of, you know, forms of sustainable energy. And that's just really not what we're seeing and not really what we've been on the path toward. The problem is that like a lot of the solutions that people have been working toward in terms of affecting the climate are framed in terms of the current economic system that we already have. For example, uh, people have talked a lot about carbon pricing, which is taxing companies a certain amount based off of their carbon use. The problem is that, you know, they laid out in this IPCC report that that economic measure enough isn't going to be enough to help. You have certain scholars like Naomi Klein who have said stuff like, our capitalist system is really incompatible with getting really impactful climate policies in place. And there might be some truth to that. The problem is that, are we really in any position right now? Are world leaders in any kind of willing position to actually put forth changes that would, you know, structurally change the way our economy works? That's kind of the big question. You mentioned Trump, and I think most of us know that he's not a champion of any sort of climate change mitigation factors. He did pull out of the Paris Climate Accord. And by the same token, his administration recently sort of accepted that climate change is real in a really strange roundabout way to further use coal. 
I'm curious as to what his reaction has been to this report, if there has been any reaction and what you think that means. So at the time of recording, Trump hasn't responded publicly to the U.N. report. You know, he's responded to, you know, hurricanes and natural disasters where climate has played a role. But he hasn't specifically said that climate has played a role. It's more of a after the fact emergency response cleanup kind of thing rather than taking a proactive approach and acknowledging that climate change is a part of the problem. It isn't surprising because I think the most recent FEMA five-year plan doesn't even say the word climate change in it. This report is called the 1.5 degree report. What does that actually mean? Right. I think that one thing that's important to remember about this report is that 1.5 degrees Celsius of warming is a really optimistic way to to think about the way that we're changing the planet. A lot of the comparisons that you see in terms of why we need to stay at 1.5 degrees warming and cap it there is that things will be much worse at 2 degrees Celsius of warming. The other thing that's important to remember is that if we stay on the current trajectory that we're on in terms of emissions, the Earth could warm as much as 4.8 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. So that's really significant. And 1.5 is incredibly optimistic. And we've already warmed about one degree Celsius. So ultimately, you know, we're not talking about saving the planet. We're talking about making it only 50% worse. I think the hard thing to wrap our heads around when you're talking about something of this magnitude is what are we going to see in our lifetimes? How does this affect us on a sort of daily human basis? Right. So I think one of the significant things about this is that they're saying that basically by the middle of the century, we have to be waned off of CO2 emissions entirely. And that's within, you know, a lot of people's lifetimes. And as far as the effects of climate change go, I mean, we're already seeing that, you know, such as the wildfires in California, exceptionally strong hurricanes and hurricane season, we're already seeing that, you know, vulnerable people are suffering the consequences of climate change right now. These same populations will continue. Um, People who live in, you know, vulnerable areas, people who can't afford to leave, those are going to be the people that are experiencing the brunt of these consequences. And it's something that a lot of us will see in our lifetimes. It's something that a lot of us will experience. But, you know, it's important to keep in mind that the primary victims are the people that are furthest away from making policy change. To read the full article, go to motherboard.vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. And tune in again on Friday for another Vice Guide to Right Now.